Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website or Bite Into It's Facebook or Twitter accounts. A big thank you to Renee Maxwell for the last three hours with The Distant Sky. That show will be back from 4 to 7 next Wednesday. For now, welcome to Bite Into It. We've got Joe here. Good evening. And I'm Vanessa. Hello. Uh, very nice to be here with you. Tonight on Bite, we will be talking about AI, from possibilities to threats, in the context of an exciting event coming up with Museums Victoria, uh, ScienceWorks in particular. We'll also be speaking with an expert about that event and about AI. That's Dr. Linda McIver. So look forward to that coming up. Then it's a, it's a bit of a, a well-educated show this evening. Then we'll be speaking to another doctor um, about a recently released ACCC report into scams and Australians' vulnerability to such. So we'll unpack that in much more detail later in the show. Before we get there, what's been going on in news? Well, uh, there was a report lifted from Choice the other night um, and broadcast on the ABC as well, all about the sort of apps that real estate companies have been using uh, to help them process applicants, like rental applicants in the main. And it turns out that there's huge problems in terms of the overreach of the data collection. Um, there's questions about the data security. And um, some problematic add-ons were seen in, in some of these apps encouraging applicants to pay for security checks, something that's traditionally been a cost that agencies have paid and, you know, just been quite bold about directly passing that all on onto the, the applicant who are in a, you know, very high competition market, don't feel like they've got a lot of power to push back on these asks if they want to be accepted as renters. I was um, just going to say I was put in that exact position really? where I had to upload bank statements and all manner of things that I was very uncomfortable about anybody seeing. Well, and this in the context too of we know that we're in a in a time of um, high cyber attacks. Exactly. And um, people are worried about, well, how, how secure is this information? How long do you need it for? You know, mm. they don't have any assurances on those bases. Uh, well worth checking out the Choice Report. It's... Um, Data collection and use, how your data is used, um, you know, and they're calling it rent tech, data used against renters. So the more informed everyone is, you know, the more the more power we have to, to push back against unreasonable asks. Important work. It is really important work. Um, and it sort of goes hand in hand with the sort of privacy reforms we're seeing in this space too. You know, it's all tied together, this space at the moment, Um but, uh, look, I wouldn't be surprised if someone like Amy Mullins was looking into things like this, uh, looking for a deep dive. We can hope, but uh, we'll definitely keep an eye on it. And as as things develop, you know, we might see some statements come out of the big players in the space. You'd expect, you know, realestate.com um, are real leaders in technology and real estate um, and not people who'd want to be associated with uh, problematic tech. Absolutely. So, yeah. So hopefully they can... You know, start leading the way out of that mire. Um, what else has been going on in the news, Joe? There's tons of it. There is. So 
This month, someone made an AI-generated sound-alike Drake. They then used this voice to uh, rap an Ice Spice track, uh, to which Drake responded on Instagram, This is the final straw, AI. (laughs) Anyway, a day or so later, um, an anonymous TikTok user called Ghostwriter977 went viral for an AI-generated Drake song, also featuring... um, and I think an AI generated The weekend, mm. And the lyrics were written by the TikToker apparently, but the voices are so unmistakably theirs. Um, the song was called Heart on My Sleeve and it was uploaded to streaming services, had many, many listens. Uh, it was removed from streaming services, um, like Spotify and Apple Music, um, on last no, this Monday evening. And um, Universal Music won't confirm that they were the ones that sent the takedown notices, but uh, apparently the TikToker may have been taking them down themselves to make it seem like lawyers were <laughs> involved. So oh, that's just the, reading a, yeah. a conspiracy too far into this, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, the TikTok has also been deleting the videos themselves, um, including their like most viral posts. But then they've been pushing listeners towards like a phone number to call as well. So it's all very weird and mysterious. Sounds like a very old school way of um, of getting some money. So we'll be following this one closely to see what what comes from this. It would be very, very disappointing to to have your voice imitated and then people stealing your attention. Yeah, Yeah. agreed. There you go. All right. In a more interesting well, more positive news, I would say. Uh, the case against Fox by Dominion Voting Systems in the States has uh, resolved um, before going, you know, before the case opened in court. The jury had been impaneled, so it was very down to the wire, uh, but they've made a deal, and uh, the deal was for. billion Australian dollars. Wow. Um, So as part of that deal, um, Dominion CEO John Paulus has said that, you know, that was the settlement amount and that Fox admitted telling lies about his company. Um, I don't think the settlement amount maybe worded it quite that bluntly, but it must be sort of okay if he's gone out and this is what he's said in his his media statement. Uh, because he wouldn't want to blow up the deal five minutes after it was made. True. Uh, So this was going on in uh, a city in Delaware, Wilmington in Delaware, uh, and it was morning their time, so it's very interesting. It hit all of the midday news here as the the American news was being broadcast here. Um, Yeah, it's a a real win for Dominion. Um, I think it's slightly a loss for the public because – we were getting pretty excited about the sort of people, the witnesses that they were going to be able to call from Fox, including uh, Rupert Murdoch himself, which would have been very interesting. Um, yeah. And I, they, yeah. Well, you know, these are the, the reasons why people end up settling, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Well, and they also planned to, you know, a huge point of their evidence was saying that what went to air contrasted with the private comments of journalists, I use that loosely, on, on the Fox network, <sighs> that those those comments are going to be contrasted. So there you go. Yikes. Anyway, um, there's a full article about it on ABC News. Uh, check it out if you want more. Uh, uh, yeah. Speaking of AI as well? Yes. More on AI news? There is a little bit more. Um, I think 
you know, everyone's quite aware that Bing has jumped out into the market, you know, playing in the open AI space and being willing to sort of publicly um, go through almost beta testing. <laughs> and this put Google on, on the back foot, you know, feeling like, oh, my gosh, we haven't released AI things fast enough. We want to um, be a big name in that space. We want to be seen to own it. And apparently they have... Um, ramped up a bunch of internal projects that really mash up AI features with Google's search engine. So four of the things that they've talked about publicly now are Magi or Magi, which is the ability to ask Google follow-up questions. And then Giphy, use AI to generate images in Google image results. Um, Tivoli Tutor, which would help users learn new languages through open-ended AI text conversations, Duolingo Watch Out, and Search Along, which would let users ask a chatbot questions while surfing the web through Chrome. Uh, they, they all seem like quite obvious things to do, but certainly not easy things to implement well, and uh, very interesting to see how fast those get released now that they've been announced as ongoing projects. Uh, released publicly. Um, there's also rumours that Samsung might stop Google being the default search engine on its phones now that they've got so many different options to explore. So that's curiouser and curiouser. It's interesting given that they use that operating system. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. That might be the first, you know, AI-enabled search first, you know, default search. Yeah, we'll yeah. See. We'll see. There you uh go. And um, you've got a, a bit of news about Brum Brum. Yes. Uh, the last piece of news, which uh, was kind of amusing, is that the Australian government is currently contemplating their approach on electric vehicles making sounds. Now, you know that when an electric vehicle goes past you, it's pretty silent. Uh, they, creep, they creep up on me. Yeah, they're very quiet. It's really disconcerting when you're cycling more than yeah. as a pedestrian. Yeah, yeah it can be dis disconcerting in many ways. Um, just not having that extra sign that they're mm. around you. But uh, this is something that people around the world contemplate when they're starting to rapidly have more electric vehicles is do we add a sound to them? Uh, so your brum broms were accurate, Joe. Like uh, what some countries have done is said, yes, we have to have a sound, and then they've let people choose their own sound. <laughs> And uh, the just going to ride around with the endless the, air horns. Yeah, the best advice we're hearing <laughs> is uh, you want to be a little bit more prescriptive about this. Yes. So we can only hope that all sorts of um, may mayhem will, will be coming before this is settled as people come up with wacky ideas. I'm looking forward to the wackiness. Yeah. I want to be able to make the, um, the little fast star in Mario... You know, Mario Kart. <laughs> no, 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 the other one. That would be so good. But uh, imagine how. Oh, I was just going to say, imagine how quickly you'd get sick of it, but then the amount of hours I've spent playing Mario Kart well, and have not yet got sick of that noise. Look, I, I know it's a terrible idea and uh, <laughs> probably doesn't encourage car safety. Um, but that's look, the sort of terrible idea we might hear more of that's before the future this is decided. I want, Vanessa. <laughs> That's um, that's it. That's it. Uh, speaking of the future I want, the future I want is speaking with Dr. Linda McIver in just a moment. But before we get there, you've got some music for us, Joe. Yeah, this is a beautiful song. It's called Inside Outside and it's by This Is The Kit. Mm -hmm. 
7.16 on Triple R. You're with Bite Into It with Joe and Vanessa. Thanks for being with us. We're about to speak to our first guest for the evening. Dr Linda MacGyver is founder and executive director of the Australian Data Science Education Institute. You might know her as the author of Raising Heretics, Teaching Kids to Change the World. Tonight she joins us to discuss an upcoming event and AI. Welcome to Bite again, Linda. Thanks so much for having me. It is... It's a joy. It's a joy to have you with us. Um, so Museums Victoria's uh, next edition of their Future Forums discussions is focused on AI and the next generation. It's happening on the 27th of April. And it's asking the question, can the rapid innovations in artificial intelligence change our world for the better? Now, obviously, we can't ask you that question tonight because we need to keep that very fresh for your event and it sounds very exciting. (laughs) But instead, uh, we thought we could reflect with you on um, an article that you published fairly recently. And it talks about, um, well, the title is Machines Are Unbiased and Other Bedtime Stories. So I like that you're still leaning on the fact that you're such a great communicator to kids that... um, (laughs) (laughs) You can charm us all um, with some fables. So what prompted you to to write that particular article to begin with? Well, it's been a bit horrifying watching the hype around systems like ChatGPT. And we've even had the the CEO of Google talking about how those emergent behaviour and systems are becoming really intelligent. And it's it's all a complete... um, it's rubbish and it's a marketing exercise. But what we see is we see people taking it seriously and using these things for research. And the worrying thing is there's nothing compelling the companies designing their systems to be truthful or accurate or to operate for social good. The only compulsion is profit. And that's the problem. Absolutely. And it sounds like... um some of the content that you're referencing there is uh, Sundar Bachai's well-publicised conversation with the American 60 Minutes just the other night. For those for those listeners who didn't hear it, that it might be interesting to know that uh, Sundar did a lot of comparing chat GPT to a child. Oh, AI is in a childlike state right now. We need to, you know, hold its hand and accept when it makes mistakes. <laughs> Linda, <laughs> what what is your what is your response, and what do you think is going on there? You know, what what are the problems with this analogy of AI to a small child? Uh, there, there are so many issues with that. One of the big things is the name AI at first, like, just let's take that and, and unpack it. We're calling these systems artificial intelligence. They are certainly artificial, but they're not intelligent mm. at all. They are statistical systems that just decide the most uh, common or most plausible word to put next. That's, that's all they're doing. There's nothing intelligent about it. There's nothing mindful. There's nothing thoughtful. Um, and so... When all of these people come and say, oh, you know, they're like children and we have to accept that they make mistakes, A, they're not like children in any way, shape or form. Uh, They're like statistical programs. (laughs) But B, we don't have to accept that they make mistakes. And I think the fact that we're putting these systems out there and saying use them to find things out. You know, I I went to play with Bing the other day and it was better than ChatGPT at something. So I said, well, give me a gluten-free restaurant in my area. (laughs) And it came back and it said, because I'm celiac, it came back and it said, oh, there's there's this cafe has a gluten-free menu and it has things like gluten-free burgers. I was like, oh, that's 
that's really exciting. I love gluten-free burgers. They're really hard to get. And the thing that Bean does that ChatGPT doesn't is it gives you a reference. I clicked on the reference. It was to a totally different cafe. Neither of those cafes had gluten-free menus <laughs> and neither of them had gluten-free burgers. This so, is the sort of real-world testing that we need. <laughs> and I think it's outrageous that we're putting these things out there and Bing is actually marketed with a, you can use it to find restaurants, you know, in your area. It, it's, it's dangerous. You know, these things are silly examples, perhaps, but but there are real harms that can come yes. from too much trust in AI. Yes. Um, so we've we have used some trivial examples, and uh, and that's fine because hopefully we're quite informed and we're interrogating the results. And there is a certain fun in chatting with these things, but there are now. Um, quite a lot of stories about people chatting with these um, AI systems and not having such a trivial experience, you know, first of all, not having the skills to interrogate um, the motivation of what's coming and even ascribing any motivation to to what's coming at them and and this coming up against mental health problems. Um, When we think about that, how... How can we start holding technology companies accountable for potential harm that they're causing? Well, this is a big part of why I do what I do, which is try to make sure that every Australian child um, and every Australian student learns more about technology and becomes um, sufficiently skilled with technology, not to necessarily go on and become a technologist, but to, to be able to query it, to be able to challenge it, to go, hang on a minute, this is not okay because when you have the CEO of Google, which is an incredibly powerful company, saying we have to we have to be patient with these things, we have to you know we have to it's okay for it to make mistakes, we have to accept that. We all need to be confident enough to turn around and go, no, we don't. We don't have to accept that at all, and we shouldn't be accepting it. I mean, the trouble is the harms come first to the most marginalised communities, mm-hmm. and. And they're coming for all of us eventually, but the, the marginalised and already vulnerable communities are the ones who suffer. I think that's what we're seeing in examples already. So, you know, in schools, hopefully with English classes, with, you know, media analysis, people have been learning critical thinking, critical reading skills for, for forever in Australia. Mm. What does the same sort of critical understanding look like in AI? What types of skills do people need to be able to unpick, you know, what's going on? Well, what we need to be able to do is we need to be able to go, well, okay, uh, first of all, we all know, or we should all know, we don't all know yet, but we should all know, there is no such thing as a perfect data set. There's no such thing as an unbiased data set. And a machine learning system, or AI if you must call it that, um, is only as good as the data that it's trained on. So what we need is we need really diverse teams that A, can spot the bias, because bias is difficult to spot, especially if it's bias you've been raised with. Um, and, And so they need to be able to spot the bias, but they also need to be able to call it out. Because if you have a... Uh, a team that has no women, no blind people, no culturally, linguistically, physically, neurologically diverse people, what you get is you get software that does things that tell you that your period is invalid, which is a true story. (laughs) My elevator told me I was invalid this week, so I'm feeling that. I'm really feeling that. (laughs) 
risk. This is the risk. So we need we need diversity as well in teams, but we also need to be able to go. Well, hang on a minute. There's no such thing as, as things that are unbiased. You know, the the, the, the CEO of um, oh, what was the name of the company? There's a Sapia, I think, an AI company in Melbourne that said AI is the only way to remove bias. And that's not true, right? That's, AI is actually the way to magnify bias and bake it in, and we need to be able to call that out. Oh, my and gosh. Well, <laughs> in the context of Elon Musk launching his new Truth GPT business... Oh, my. Uh, are you in a position to um, quickly let our users know what that's about? <laughs> I haven't actually seen that one. I just hear the words Elon Musk, and I think that's not going to end well. <laughs> I'll just very quickly share that um, he's he's created this business because it will be a maximum truth-seeking AI because OpenAI's GPT is too woke and politically correct. Can you imagine? Oh, <laughs> ah, right. So this is where you get into the problem, mm. and I, I, I think this is a big issue, of who's truth. So we know that there's no such thing as an unbiased or perfect data set, uh, and we know that the more diverse the teams are, the better odds we have of spotting and rectifying more of the bias. But if you think about, for example, the Harry Potter books, many of us didn't spot the bigotry in those when we first read them, myself included. But once it's pointed out, it's really horrific and you can't unsee it. So spotting bias, especially when bias you've been brought up with, mm. it's just really hard. So whose truth do we want? I don't think we want Elon's. <laughs> I love that you're bringing philosophy into this because really, you know, this is the classic case of, you know, com computer scientists alone ain't going to get us there. <laughs> well, that's right. And we need to have these kind of discussions and they need to be philosophical and they need to be focused on what are the societal harms and, and how can we make this a, a social good rather than a, a harm. And... and not easy, but we need to be having those conversations. Absolutely, we do. And uh, we thank you for having them with us tonight. We, um, we've talked about philosophy, uh, but if we, for some people, you know, trying to think philosophically about that, it's, it's very difficult at the moment. It's like, oh, I'm trying to be hopeful and, you know, here's some big ideas and people are saying some things are possible. That's great. Yeah. When we get into the detail, um, there are some very great bits of commentary coming out of the linguistics community because really I think they understand best the technical details of how um, some of these AIs are exploring um, natural language and selecting yeah. what word should most likely come up next in in the sort of conversation that we're having. Um, how, how much have you been looking into that aspect of, of um, generative AI? I haven't looked uh, in great detail at the actual um, technicalities of it. Mm. Um, linguistics isn't my field. I'm mm. very happy to take <laughs> take instruction from from linguists. Um, but I think it's that need to listen to experts um, mm. who are not necessarily the, the teams who built the system, but the need also to have those experts able to interrogate the system, able to interrogate training data, able to... Um, query the outcomes and go, well, is this actually the best you can do? You know, we have a system that was deliberately designed to be plausible but not truthful. That was a choice. <laughs> yes. That was a choice. Yes. I think we could make other choices here. Yes. So then 
I think some of the problems are that, you know, when you describe problems in factual data, you know, the, mm. the gluten-free burger of your, of your dreams not actually existing uh, where yeah. they said it was going to be, you know. Yeah. How do we surface these errors? There's no sort of error checking or anything implicit in any of these platforms at the moment. No, and that's the problem. There's nothing, there's no incentive to do that error checking for the companies. There's mm. actually quite a lot of disincentives. The incentive to them is to rush to market and gain market share and mind share. Truth just doesn't doesn't come into it at all. Um, so we have, like, I, I think the important thing really is not to be using these systems to look for truth. Don't mm. be using them to research. Don't be using them to ask meaningful questions. Sure, mm. play with them and have fun, but understand always that they are lying to you, that they are making stuff up, and that they're just being... Plausible. That's such a pragmatic um, frame, actually. I haven't heard anyone say it quite like that, but that's that's incredibly helpful. They're not they're not useful in the way that they're being marketed to us. They're just not. Uh, what, what did Gibson say? Or was it Stevenson? Who who's the one who says something about the street will find a use? Is that is that that's not quite the quote, but um, it's something like that. Joe is frantically not googling. Is she binging? Who knows? She's, she's fact checking. <laughs> it's um. Chat GPT is just going to tell you it was Asimov. <laughs> <laughs> it's Gibson. It's Gibson. Oh, good on it's from Gibson, uh, yeah. Burning Chrome. There you go. It's been a long time. Time for a reread. Uh, well, oh. uh, are, are there any final nuggets of wisdom that you'd like to leave our audience with, uh, Dr. Linda McIver? Um, just reach for rational scepticism. Don't take what we're told and and believe it. Um, there's so many uh, studies and sort of experiences people have had where they know that that even when they're told that computer systems are not trustworthy and are outright wrong, they believe them. Um, and and that's that's what we have to tackle. So I think the more we go. It's not real. <laughs> Step back. Don't believe it. That, that, I think that's the message that needs to go out there. Thank you for that. That's that's great. And if anyone has enjoyed this conversation and wants to hear more, um, Museum Victoria's next edition of Future Forums, AI, The Next Generation, is happening on Thursday, April 27th at 6.30pm. It's a hybrid event, so there'll be an online version as well as an in-person version, I believe. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Great. Yep. That's really inclusive. Um, the conversation is happening on International Day of Women and Girls in ICT. And uh, you'll also be joined by Kiowa Scott Hurley, who's um, a digital science migration engineer, which sounds very interesting. So Kiowa is amazing. Oh, well, people should definitely look out for that event. Thanks for joining us tonight, Dr. Linda McIver. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Time for you, Joe. We are going to hear from Nabia Iqbal. This is the latest single called Dreamer, and it is off of her album, which is coming out on the 28th, and I cannot wait. I've been so impatiently waiting for this I'm album. I'm excited for this. Here's Dreamer. 7.35 on Triple R. You're with Bite Into It with Joe and Vanessa. Thanks for being with us this evening. Dr. Demetrius Salampas, uh, sorry, Salampasis is the Director, uh, Master of Financial Technologies, FinTech Capability Leader and Senior Lecturer of FinTech Innovation and Entrepreneurship at Swinburne University. He's joined us once before and we're very happy he can join us again in the wake of an ACCC release about scams. 
He's here to help us unpack the report. Welcome to the show, Demetrius. Thank you so much for the very kind invitation. Um, unfortunately, the circumstances are not that positive. A yes. uh, couple, couple of days ago, the ACCC said and reported in their report that that is the targeting scams report that basically <clears throat> losses from consumer scams rose to more than 3.1 billion in 2022. And it's actually that's approximately 80% since last year. And the numbers are actually quite alarming. That is really alarming. Um, I think that everyone these days is a little bit worried any time they get some unexpected communication or even an expected one. Um, hopefully, you know, people are a bit more savvy about scams, but I think it's very easy to be tricked these days. Uh, people are throwing lots of new techniques at us. Could you tell us a bit about what does the report say about, you know, why we are vulnerable to more scams now? I think one of the main reasons behind this is the fact that scammers are actually becoming way more way more sophisticated and scamming in general because also of the of the development of new technologies allows for additional you know ways to for scammers to reach potential victims and that is happening you know because of the of the developments in social media of different platforms but at the same time I think one of the key issues is the fact that scammers and that is also very very alarming is the fact that they're mainly targeting populations which are of older generation and populations who probably are not, you know, so much tech savvy, who would basically trust something more easily compared to to others. And that, of course, is very alarming because that shows a massive deficit when it comes to consumer protection in general. And uh, this particular report has also opened up a broader discussion of who at the end of the day, is responsible for protecting consumers. And it has also opened another discussion around banks that would potentially be liable to actually repay back and reimburse people who have been scammed, which opens a new, a new dearth of, of, of discussions at the, mo- at the moment. I'm so glad that you brought up those angles because I think that anyone who has been scammed um, feels really ashamed and embarrassed and, you know, and it, it must feel terrible for this to happen. And yet... You know, it's so it could so easily happen to anybody who really would hope that that nobody would feel um, responsible for their own victimhood. You know, victimization. Um, Absolutely, and I mean, especially when you see and you read in the news that people put you lower their life savings, they lost their life savings. This is this, and, and also bear in mind that because of the shame, because of the embarrassment, because of this distress. Many don't even report that. Many don't even go to a bank or, you know, to the proper authorities to to report this, which makes even these numbers might not even be fully percent real and, and, you know, aligned with what the reality is out there. Yes. So we can talk about some individual techniques to to be a bit more savvy for people in our lives a bit later. But before we get there, um, surely, you know, this should be addressed on a systemic level as much as possible. You know, what could we be doing better in Australia? Did the ACCC report have any recommendations? Look, as, as, far, as far as I know, in 2021, the federal government committed to a number of anti-spam measures and provided, you know, seed funding to the ACCC for the establishment of a national anti-scam centre, which will bring different stakeholders together, consumer groups share intelligence. Um, I think uh, leveraging all these different, different emerging technologies is an interesting one. But at the same time, I feel that we, uh, and I'm happy to, to discuss on that, we, we can't simply point the finger to others. We as consumers need to show also proper due diligence, proper research. But if I must say so, 
just proper judgment. I mean, it's, sometimes it's difficult to understand fake ads, social media profiles, uh, but at the same time, it's very important to think a bit outside of the box and think rationally before you actually commit to something. Or if, if you even commit, you just don't commit your life savings. You well, I mean, you make a lot of sense um, and, and you use the word um, rationally there. But uh, I think a problem that we've seen is that uh, lots of scammers will have an, um, you know, target and emotive mm -hmm. element in their, in their messaging. Yes. Uh, and I've seen people who have... Uh, who are an older generation but have qualifications in computing, be be um, sucked in by you know clicking on things and realizing Absolutely. fairly soon that they shouldn't have, but uh, but still it absolutely. could happen to anyone. <laughs> no, no, absolutely, mm. absolutely. And, I, and, and again, for me, what is interesting on the fact that if the banking industry should be the ones to be responsible to protect consumers and stop scams uh, and, and be the ones to actually combat the growing threat of scams, mm. that probably should be the way. But at the same time, I still believe that it's a broader conversation. I think it's, it, it, there is a need for for education campaigns, there is a need for awareness and there is a need to actually tackle this because also taking into account apologies to, to, to jump in there, the increasing cost of living, I think, will play a very important role into the fact that people are looking for other ways to access money, to access credit, to build wealth. And that is also a fantastic fertile ground for scammers. So true, so true. Um, so this is in the context of, you know, we've had a lot of news about cybersecurity and data breaches in Australia lately. And, you know, this report on the ABC the other night starting to unpack where do these cyber criminals, these syndicates live? You know, where, where are people attacking us from? Scams are a little bit different, but there are a lot of parallels. Do we know much about where scams are? Uh, where scammers are based and where they're, you know, where they're targeting Australians from. Is it coming from? Is the call coming from inside the house, or you know? Look, it could be coming from anywhere. I, uh, as you probably agree with me, technology is uh, is location agnostic. You know, digital world is, is 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 irrelevant when it comes to to location. There there are certain locations around the globe that are more, you know, fertile for scammers. Um, but I mean, it can be, it can come from anywhere, even 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 within Australia. And I totally agree with you that cybersecurity is one of the biggest issues nowadays. And I and I would even get it further to the fact that it's actually becoming a basic human right and obligation to support consumers and protect consumers. So from yes. these kind of scams. Yes, absolutely. So um, with the ACCC report, you know, what did we hear about? Um, the trends in the scamming. Obviously, the growth in the volume of scams was shocking enough, but were these scams, you know, changing significantly, uh, you know, in in the channels that they were trying to reach people yeah. on? That's a really good question. Look, based on based on the on the report and based also from, uh, from on my own research, I think some interesting aspects about scams we see a lot on social media we see a lot on messaging apps like you know the telegram and, and instagram and so on we see impersonation of uh, government uh, bodies and institutions we see fake websites basically cloning a website of a bank or a website you know of a, of, of, a, of a legitimate institution that basically gets immediately redirected into a scam uh, account and so on. Uh, we see also the emotional connection with a particular with a scammer and a particular victim. Uh, also, 
crypto has been also quite a quite a lot related to scams, uh, and but the report doesn't actually men mention crypto. Only it's, it's put it it's put it broadly. So the you know the bad innovation in scamming is booming at the moment, and what basically we need is to be very careful. Always make sure we use credible websites. Always make sure we tri triangulate. We apply common sense, and if we think something is wrong, we just immediately call and talk to the bank. Yep, that's really good advice. Um, I like to the calling out of you know this this emotional sort of aspect that if you're starting to feel emotional about a text or a phone call or an email or a message on a platform, immediately stop and absolutely yeah try absolutely. try and um, I mean, I think mean, about I must it. Say, I must say recently I have been receiving a lot of SMS from numbers that I don't know mm. asking me for stuff, and that that wasn't the case a couple of years ago. So. Um, that kind of connection with the would-be victims is really, really important, and I think um, it, it's um, it, 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 it's going to it's going to get worse. So, it's <clears throat> I understand people are getting under pressure because of you know we go in times of very, very difficult global business uh, situations with you know the recession and all this, but that doesn't mean you can just simply impulsively jump into an opportunity that you think it will get you more yield. Because let's say let's put it very, very bluntly, and, and I'm happy to debate on that. One of the reasons why these things happen is because people are looking for yield, are looking for new ways of, of building growth and yes. building wealth. Yes. So it's, it's, it's fair enough because we all want more money, but money don't, doesn't come for free. And you see what, what people end up doing. I mean, I was reading somewhere in the news that uh, an old lady just basically lost all her life savings. So that for me, I can't even imagine how that person is feeling. So that that distress mm. is just substantial. It's mm. beyond substantial. Mm. Certainly, that is. notion of vulnerability is just is just unbelievable. And it's not about the financial loss per se, that, but that it's translated into dollar. Is is the the whole other areas of of emotional emotional destruction that open up. Well, I'm glad you bring that up and, and you bring this up as a, a human rights issue, you know, some basic protections in this space. And you've talked about, you know, banks perhaps, you know, having some accountability. Um, obviously, telcos have things that they're looking into in the space and we'd love to see them doing more. Um, different phone companies are taking different approaches to being able to flag dodgy phone calls. Um, social media platforms are falling over themselves, failing to moderate and manage, manage spammers. So I don't know that we're winning the war on that front. But there is that, that sad societal loss where people are devastated from interacting with technology and we're actually making what should be a useful tool uh, a mm. place of, of fear and uncertainty and unsafety. Yes, and I totally agree with you, especially with the, with the latest developments in the artificial intelligence space, the generative AI. You see, for example, increased uh, cases of... Um, of, of fake, of fake photos, of, of, of you know people posting scammers posting uh, inappropriate photos on social media, and then you know asking people for money. Um, the, the, all, all, all this kind of stuff create a very gloomy environment, yes. which it's it's gonna get worse. That's what really worries me. That it's gonna <laughs> get worse. <laughs> it does worry me too, it, and I think it worries a lot of people, particularly um, if even if we don't feel particularly vulnerable ourselves, although we just a misclick away. But um, you know, when we've got more vulnerable people around us, I think we worry about you know older family and friends and colleagues and 
did the ACCC report go into that treacherous space of romance scams? Uh, well, they, based on my, my reading on the report, they, they mention about vulnerability, they mention about fina financial losses, they mention about these areas, but they haven't really gone into too, into that kind of detail. But mm -hmm. spot, on, spot on what you're saying, all these romance, uh, you know, stuff is just unbelievable. And, uh, Although I love the increase to my Instagram follower account. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but, but you know, I must also say, because I also use Instagram, the way people expose themselves mm. to gen to gender to, to 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 find business and generate wealth sometimes is just so atrocious and it's so mm. weird and it's so and you know what let's not forget that our digital footprints are going to be there forever and they will be haunting us forever oh this is this is this is not the uh <laughs> the I'm most so comforting sorry, of discussions <laughs> yes but we have and it's, an, and it's another point of conversation here around how do we actually have a responsible presence on social media and in the digital space in general. Now with the, with the, you know, with the advent of the metaverse, the digital world, that it's all great innovations, but we don't really know how to properly behave. And also taking into account the younger generation, yes. the young children. I was reading today in the news that there is a massive increase on, on, on online betting from, from young population uh. who probably don't even have money for that. And that's an, also another fertile ground for scamming. So all these things, technology is moving so quickly, we don't really know how to follow it properly. We, there are no proper regulatory frameworks at the moment because we still understand. So I think the area of ethics, the area of responsibility, the area of human rights is going to increase a lot more. But it's really unfortunate to see that massive increase of, of scams. Really uh, unfortunate. Uh, it certainly is. But I tell you what's heartwarming is hearing uh, an academic in fintech talking about human rights lenses for, you know, financial regulation, talking about scam watch and protecting consumers, you know, and, and building in more consumer protections. It is incredibly heartwarming. Um, I think we could probably leave our audience with... Uh, hoping that they know about scamwatch.gov.au, which is yes. run by the yes. ACCC and yes. um, and provides a, a lot great, of information. It's a great, and it's a great initiative, and it's a great initiative. Mm. And, and also, for me, FinTech is about responsible innovation and mm. responsible evolution. It's not just about creating a new world that is open to, to any kind of illicit behaviours and activities. Yes, yes. Uh, I have the feeling, Demetrios, that you haven't been swept up in any crypto Ponzi schemes as yet, so uh, winning? Fortunately not, but I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if I see my name as, an advi as a strategic advisor in oh, any kind of no. project somewhere in the world. Who knows? The risks, <laughs> the risks in our industries. All right. Well, it's been educational, as always, speaking with you. Dr. Demetrius Salampasis from Swinburne University, uh, thanks so much for your time this evening. Thank you so much for the invitation. <laughs> Cheers. We are going to hear from wonderful local Melbourne band Huntley, and it is their song Hit It Hard. 7.56 on Triple R for the last little bit of bite into it with Joe and Vanessa this evening. Very happy to be with you during April Amnesty, an important time for the station to try and raise a little bit of dough, you know, sourdough style, and um, keep keep us on air and, and keep all the, the pieces moving and the tech invested in and the mic socks clean and all those other things that happen behind the scenes that we appreciate just to get voices out and new tunes out to you. Joe, loving the tunes this evening. Thank you very much. 
If uh, if you want to subscribe, and particularly to the, the tunes that Joe's been putting to air, uh, head to rrr.org.au and uh, help a Triple R out. We appreciate every little bit. It we all sure counts. do. Yeah. And, hey, uh, we didn't want weird news of the week this week. We wanted, like, happy news of the week. And uh, Apple has put an ambitious target out there saying that 100% of its batteries will be made with recycled cobalt by 2025. I didn't even know they contained cobalt. Me neither. We always talk about lithium. Lithium gets all the glory. Sure does. Um, So only 25% of their usage of cobalt last year was recycled. So it's an ambitious target. Um, But, you know, they're a massively profitable company and so they should be leading the way with uh, recycled materials. That's fantastic. Hey, in events, there was a sweet little one. Did you see this, Joe? Oh, I didn't. This looks cute. Dating games. It's uh, co-presented by RMIT Culture and Melbourne Conversations, who I love. They are contemplating what's in store for the next 10 years of dating. Uh, They're reflecting on the fact that tech companies have all their apps to match us. Um, and they wonder who's really benefiting from these. Do they work? Will AI set us up even better with matches, or will it um, ingrain existing prejudices? There you go. Mm. Uh, They'll have a range of speakers, as they always do. I'm not sure those speakers have been announced yet, but keep an eye. They like to leak those out gradually. Um, That event is happening on the 17th of May uh, from 5.30 to 7pm in the gorgeous Capitol Theatre. Uh, so, yeah, RMIT Culture and Melbourne Conversations. If you look up either of them, you'll be able to find the event. Register to get along. It's free, but registrations are required. So, big thank you to our guests this evening. We spoke with Dr Linda McIver, author, educator, tech expert um, about AI and bias. And we also spoke to Dr Demetrius Salampasis, who's a fintech academic at Swinburne, Um, all about scams and um, our increasing vulnerability to them in Australia. So do head out, check out that ACCC report into scams, Um, get educated, talk to family and friends about risky things going around. Yeah, I think it's really important to talk to your your people. Mm. Hey, thanks, Joe, for being our host tonight. Um, a big thanks to our talks producer, Adam Christou, and our podcaster, Carrie Smythe. We've been biting to it. We'll be back next Wednesday evening. Do stay tuned for the amazing international pop underground. It's not as unfashionable as he thinks it is, the unfashionable pop. Um, with Anthony Carew, up next. Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news. Broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Triple R's website or Bite Into It's Twitter or Facebook accounts.